0: about and live out what we just sang. Those songs that we just sang together. In Philippians chapter four and verse eight, the verse that we've been in for the entire summer, that we're going to stay in for the entire summer, it says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So this morning in our series, Masterpiece and Progress, we're going to be talking about Paul's challenge, whatever is pure. Think about whatever is pure. But what does that mean? When Paul says, whatever is pure, what does that actually mean? Before we look at the word pure and kind of take that apart, I want to look at the Greek word for "think." What does that actually mean to think? So I want to kind of process through that first. The original language, in the original language, think means to, means to consider. It means to take into account. It means to weigh. It means to meditate on. You want to meditate on these things. That's what it means to think. Paul wants us to take the time to sit with God and reflect on these things to invest time to meditate and to reflect on that which God wants us to think about. He wants us to think about purity. He wants us to reflect about, he wants us to reflect on purity in all of its forms. Because this word, it it, it cuts across more than just one or two words. What does it mean to be pure? What does it mean to think about what is pure? Paul's asking us to to think about purity, think about it in all of its fullness, to pay close attention, to reflect carefully on those things. And once we think about them and we reflect on them, once we meditate on them, he wants us to apply them to our lives. That's why he's saying, think about such things. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Why? Because Jesus Christ perfectly reflected all of those things. And God is saying, I want you to first use your mind. I want you to think. I want you to dwell on, I want you to meditate on, I want you to look at it in all of its forms. And then once you've thought about it and once it becomes a part of you, your heart and your mind, I want you to apply it to every single area of your life. Not just, not just to meditate on, not just to reflect on, but also to apply to your life. And you can quickly see that his call to think about such things requires more, more than just lip service. It requires more than just a passing, a passing thought. He wants, us, he wants our thoughts to be put into practice again in every single aspect of our lives. He wants us, he wants us to, to reflect on it in such a way that it makes a difference in how we speak, the words that we use, the purity of our words. He wants, us to, he wants it to impact our desires, what we desire in life. He, he wants it to have an impact on our actions Because his ultimate goal here, God's ultimate goal, Paul's laying out, he's saying, I ultimately want you to become more like your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to be like him, walk as Jesus did. That's what it means to think about. It means to dwell on, it means to meditate on, it means to reflect on, spend time with the Lord, let it permeate your entire being, and then let it reflect in your life through your actions. Okay, so let's now move to the word pure. Let's look at the word pure. Paul's use of pure comes from the Greek word hagnos, Okay? And it's interesting. This is very interesting. First and foremost, it means to be excited. It's exciting reverence. It's talking about being sacred, the sacredness of your relationship with God and, 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 and being excited about worshiping God and glorifying God and connecting with God and being enthusiastic. Enthusiac- enthusiastic comes from the Greek word entheos, which means God in. It's the ability to see God in a situation that makes it exciting. And so first and foremost he wants us to be excited about our reverence for God, our worship of God. The 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 fact that we can come into the very presence of a holy God because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. So that's an that excitement. So first Purity has to do with our love for God. It is our purity, our love for God, that pure love that we have for God because of what he has done for us in Christ Jesus and what he has given us, the fact that he created us. And what did they, when they said to Jesus, what is the first and greatest commandment? He said, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. That's the foundation of what we're going to be talking about. The purity of our love for God. Love God with all your mind, all your heart, all your strength, all your soul. So that's first. That's the foundation. And then this word also means to be pure from carnality. It means to be pure from being being chaste and being modest. It also means in the original Greek that, that we should be without fault that we should be immaculate, that we should be clean, that we should be without, but without blemish or wrinkle or, or, or spot, that we would be completely, we would try with all of our hearts to be more like Jesus Christ. God says, be holy because I am holy. Your goal, my goal in this life is that we live our lives in such a way that as we get older, we become more and more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as I was writing this, I was thinking, where else is this Greek word hagnos used in the Bible? In the New Testament and then its reflection in the Old Testament in the Hebrew word that reflects the Greek word. Where is it? So I go, I've gone through a few scriptures, and I'm going to kind of read a few to you. In 1 Timothy 5:22, it says, "Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in sin, the sins of others. Keep yourselves pure." That's that word, "hagnos." In James chapter three, verse seventeen, it says, "The wisdom from above is first of all pure, then peaceable, gentle." Reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. It's used in Romans chapter four, in ver- chapter one and verse four, to describe the holiness of Jesus, the purity of Jesus Christ while He was walking on this earth, and the distinction,, okay, that He has from all other people who ever walked the earth before or after him. The holiness of Jesus the purity of Jesus as as separate as distinguished from others okay so now let's look at the old testament usage in psalm 12 verse 6 it says the word of the lord the words of the lord are pure words like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. In Psalm 19, verses seven through nine, it says, the law of the Lord. Now, as I read this, I want you to think about what Paul's asking us to do, all right? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, admirable, praiseworthy, think about such things. He knows the Old Testament. This is a reflection here of God. He says the law, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. Whatever is right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. I mean, it encompasses so much of what we're supposed to be thinking about. Think about such things. Why? Because it reflects God. It reflects God the Father and helps us become more like our Lord and Savior. Again, Jesus Christ. In Proverbs fifteen twenty six, it says, the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord But gracious words are pure. The words that we use. In Proverbs 20, verse 9, it it says this. Who can say, I have made my heart pure. I am clean from my sin. In Proverbs 21, 8, the way of the guilty is crooked, but the conduct of the pure is upright. So then, okay, we have that as a kind of a context, a foundation. So how can we have a pure heart? How can we apply this whole idea of purity to our everyday lives? That's what we're going to be talking about. So I want you to to strap in a little bit here, okay? Because we're going to talk about how we can have pure hearts, how we can live out a life of purity as we walk through each moment of every day. Like everything else, purity starts with our thoughts. It starts in our thought lives. Even the slightest The slightest deviation of purity in our thoughts and in our actions, okay, is impure in the eyes of God. We say that again. The slightest deviation in our thought life in our actions, is seen as impure in the eyes of God. This is why, this is the gospel, this is why Jesus Christ had to come to earth. God the Father sent God the Son to earth. Why? Because sinful men cannot be in the presence of a holy God. The moment that you think one, one, just the slightest deviation from God's purity, okay, it's sin. It is impossible for us to accomplish what I'm even going to talk about this morning. It's not impossible for us to strive to become more like Christ throughout our lives and become stronger and stronger and more holy and more righteous and more set apart, if you will, for God, sanctified. That's not impossible. Perfection is. That's why Jesus Christ came to die on the cross. When Jesus came and he died on the cross, his blood completely covers us. He reached one hand up to God and one hand down to sinful man, and he bridged the gap. When God the Father sees Jeff Greer, he no longer sees Jeff Greer because I've given my life to Christ and the blood of Christ covers me, which gives me perfection in standing with God. Now that I have perfection in standing, standing with God because of what Christ did for me, not because of what I can do for myself. Now I take a step back and say, how can I live in such a way that honors God? And when I fall short in trying to live in a way that honors God, I ask God for forgiveness. He, he forgives me and says, move it along. Move along. You don't have to feel the weight of guilt and all this. You don't, have to ha- you don't have that anymore because of what Jesus Christ has done. So as I go through this, this is important, okay? I understand that none of us are perfect. I am not perfect. You are not perfect. We are going to fall short but we have one who goes to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who's the atoning sacrifice, not only for our sins, but also the sins of the entire world. It's not about me, hellfire and brimstone this morning, laying down the law to all of you sinners out there of which I'm not one. I'm talking about the reality of my own sin, the reality of your sin, that we have Jesus Christ and we ask forgiveness. The Bible says that if we ask forgiveness, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us, purify us, purify my heart is what we sang from all unrighteousness. So we all have to be on the same page here. If you ask Christ to come into your life, you are covered with the blood of Christ. You are perfect in standing with God. Now, now the question is, how are we trying, how are we desiring to live our lives? That's the question. What are God's expectation when it comes to purity? Whatever is pure, think about such things. What is he talking about here? First, our intense intense love for him, the purity of our love for him. And then secondly, he goes on to talk about moral purity, moral purity. Hagnos talks about moral purity in an age where sexually immorality is basically encouraged, applauded, and then basically promoted at every turn if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to focus your attention and you need to try with all of your heart to seek moral purity in the way that God has outlined it in his word. That's our goal. How has God, what has God said? How has God laid this out in his word? And we need to strive to be obedient to the word of God in this area, in a culture where it's, it's, just, in, it's just everywhere. And it's encouraged and it's promoted and it's celebrated everywhere. But what does God's word say? In 1 Timothy 5, 2, it says this. And now, before I get into that, Paul writes this to Timothy. Timothy's a young man. Paul knows where he's sending Timothy. Paul is sending Timothy into places where the culture at that time, okay, is just, they have gods and goddesses where they worship by, there's kids here, but I won't get into all details, but they worship by acting out in certain behaviors. That's part of the worship of their gods. So this is where he's being sent. The whole culture is like, what are you talking about? This is how we live. So Paul says, I want you to go out there, but here's the instruction he gives to Timothy. He says, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and here's what it says, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. You're thinking, what does that mean? It means exactly what you think it means. It means exactly what this reference is not confusing. Timothy, when you engage, when you interact with young women, okay, I want you to treat them as if they were your sister. See, I, for one, am absolutely tired of listening or reading articles written by Christian, you know, popular Christian authors and speakers that basically try to explain away God's clear biblical instruction for sexual purity. All of a sudden, it's like, well, if you look back and you take this and I twist that and I take that word, I put it over here and I do this and I do that, everything works out fine, don't worry about it. That's not what the word of God says. Whatever I say this morning, however I describe it, it pales, I fall so short of what the word of God, the description of how we should live our lives, exactly what it says. I cannot give you the depth of how the word of God describes the purity and holiness that we should have before God. So, whatever I'm saying, add about a thousand percent to it. And I, for one, am just sick and tired of reading articles. When you read things by these popular, some of these popular authors and popular speakers, really don't, please use the mind that God has given you, okay? The Word of God is the Word of God. No matter how they try to twist it, it's true. I read it again. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. I would argue that the 21st century church is not not pure. Worse, my, my, my concern is they have no desire for purity. That's really what I'm talking about this morning. This isn't, about, this isn't about me falling short and what I think and whatever else. It's not about you falling short throughout your life and some of the things that you, you do and you ask for forgiveness. That's not what we're talking about here. I'm talking about the desire in each of our hearts to try to live up to God's moral purity, to live up to it. Here's the thing. God's, I can't reach that high. God's standard for purity is so far beyond here. The bar is Here. I want to strive to try to achieve what God has called me to. We then, through our writing and interpretation and misrepresentation, put the bar way down here. We're to be conformed to the image of Christ. Jesus Christ is not way down here. We're to strive to be more. That's all I'm asking. That's all the word of God is asking, is that we have a desire to, David, okay? Because so you're thinking, man, I have fallen so short. David, King David, fell with Bathsheba. Man, he's called a God, man after God's own heart, even after what he did with Bathsheba. You know why? Because he wrote in the Psalms, Have mercy on me, O God. When he sinned, he didn't go, "Hey, I'm the king. What's the big deal?" It's you know, "Hey, boys will be boys." You know what I mean? He said, "Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compa- compassion, blot out my transgressions, cleanse me from my sin and my iniquities. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you be proved right when you when you when you when you, when you speak and justified when you judge." I mean, he was broken. He recognized what he had done and he was broken about what he had done. He wasn't like, well, you know, I'm the king. That's the way it is. God wants us to have a desire to be holy. And when we fall short, he wants us to acknowledge us as we fall short. He wants us to acknowledge it, ask forgiveness so that we can be forgiven and we can continue to move forward. You know, after having some discussions with many Christians and leaders about drunkenness and foul language and um, sexual behavior and on and on and on. I honestly often will say to the person I'm talking to, so I'm confused if everything that we're talking about is okay. Well, why did Jesus Christ have to come and die? Amazing, amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the a good guy like me. Okay guy like, I'm, my a good-hearted guy like me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a good old boy, a good old woman, not, you know, someone who errs once in a while like me. Because Jesus Christ came to die. You know why? I needed another friend. That's about it. I mean, you know, he walks with me, he talks with me, you know, and, and, and it's really amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the, Say it again, It saved a, like me. I'm not trying to belittle or discourage anyone here, but you know what? I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm, I'm nothing, I, I am nothing less than someone, someone Jesus died for, but nothing more than a forgiven sinner. And therein lies the problem. It's the lack of desire to even acknowledge that we fall short in these areas and to rewrite God's word. I wanna be, be absolutely clear this morning. According to God's word, all sexual activity must take place within the the bonds of marriage the way that God described marriage, the way that God ordained marriage. Any activity that happens outside of God's clear instruction for marriage is called a sin. And you say, I know what you're talking about. Those people. No, I'm not talking about those people. I don't want to talk about those people. Yeah, because what we do is we say, here are these awful sins that people commit and they're the ones that God and this is the, I, I, no, I'm talking about our thought life. I'm talking about what we watch. I'm talking about what we listen to. I'm talking, about our, I'm talking about our behavioral pattern. I'm talking about us. Don't worry about those people out there. Worry about yourself. That's what we're talking about. We need to understand. We need to come clean. We need to live our lives in such a way that honors God. And we need to recognize that anything outside of God's clear instructions for that behavior is called a sin and not candy coat it, and not blame somebody else, and not say, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about moral purity, perfection here. We're all going to fall short. When Paul says, whatever is pure, think about such things, he actually means it. And here's the thing. Some people will sit there and think, well, God's a cosmic killjoy. You just, you just ruined everything. Uh, you know, my dating life now, I treat a young woman as a sister. Give me a break. That's just ridiculous. God's a cosmic killjoy. No, he's not. You know what? It's like a parent who at night decides, I'm going to let my children play on 71 in the dark, the cars will see him. What could happen? God knows that if we continue to run down that road, run across that road, keep doing this behavior, keep thinking this way, keep that bad things, diff- tragic things are going to happen in our lives. And he loves us so much that he wants to spare us from those things, the consequences of our sin. He loves us. He's not a cosmic killjoy. And the cooler thing about this whole deal is even when we fall short, even when we fall short even when we ch- when we choose when we know what's right and we choose to do what we know is wrong god still when we ask for forgiveness when we repent and ask for forgiveness he still forgives us he still forgives us the bible says therefore there is no condemnation there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus no condemnation there's a difference between condemnation and conviction the enemy wants you to feel condemned. And once you've done something, you're done. How can you call yourself a Christian? You, if you were, you knowingly did that and, and you know it was wrong. The pastor just talked about it. And now you went and did it. How can you and condemn, condemn? Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because when he came and died on the cross, I said it, he covered you with his blood. You are perfect in standing with God. What the Holy Spirit does is when I mess up, when you mess up, he convicts us we repent once we're convicted. God brushes us off and sends us on our way and we move forward because we're perfect in standing with God. And now we've asked God to forgive us. And the Bible literally says that God forgets our sin. As far as the East is from the West, he separated us from our sin. He chooses, he can do this, we can't. He chooses to forget what we've done when we ask for forgiveness. That's how awesome it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to go back to then our first purity, which is our love for God, our pure love for God. Why? Because of what I just described to you. That's how awesome he is. That's how amazing he is. That's how amazing his grace is. So when Paul says, think about whatever is pure, he actually means it. In Ephesians chapter chapter five and verse three, it says this. But among you, there must not even be a hint, a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed. Greed meaning also, there's a few few definitions of this word greed. One of them is being sexually greedy. I want this person. I want that. I want, I want. It's that kind of greed. And it goes beyond that. Because these are why, why does he say not to do this? Because these are improper for God's holy people. Be holy because I am holy. But I'm going to say, I'm going to keep saying this. And when I tell you this, Paul, I, I tell you, the Bible says, I tell you this so you will not sin. doesn't end there. But if anyone does sin, we have one who goes in the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. Amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Listen, this is important. If you you start with a desire to please yourself or to, how do I describe this? If you start with a desire to please yourself or uh, your rights to fulfill your own desires, if that's what's first and foremost in your mind, you will never ever understand nor fulfill what Paul's calling us to do. And that's, that's a lot of what's going on right now. It's first about myself, pleasing myself, or my right to fulfill my desire. If that's most important, you're never going to fill what God has called you to be. The challenge to be pure, to think about whatever is pure. Saying to yourself, well, see, pastor, come on. God is love, and, um, and God wouldn't, doesn't God just want me to be happy? I mean, what, some of the things you're saying is going to cause me not to be happy. And God, I know just God doesn't want me to be unhappy. God wants me to be happy. Or God doesn't expect me to just for this long a period of time. God doesn't expect, that's bad theology. You know what God expects? God expects you to obey his word. God expects you to be Holy holiness will make you happy holiness will bring peace joy and contentment to your life god wants you to be obedient to him because he knows that's the best life to live and that will bring you all the desires of the human heart stepping outside of the bounds of what god has called us to do will not make us happy it will ultimately lead to misery and suffering and death spiritual and physical death sometimes but if your greatest desire, so if you start out with yourself and fulfilling your own desires and that's, the, that's your starting point, you're going to be in trouble. But if you start out by saying your, your desire to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your greatest desire is to please God, to worship God, to glorify God, to be sanctified, to be, to be set apart, then you have a chance. Each of us have a chance to fulfill this exhortation. We have a chance to live up to and try to aspire to and try to complete and, and fulfill what God is calling us to do here. here. Here's another thing. The idea, this is so important. The idea that if you're consumed, confused about your sexuality or that, that, that you have a desire to for someone else, that you would love God that the purity of your love for God would be so great that you would abstain and not not act out upon those things. And our culture is completely ridiculous. It is absurd. It is unacceptable in our culture. The idea that I would love God, my love for God would be so great that I could, that could overcome my desires for this or my desire to do that or my, uh, I'm confused about this, that I, that the idea that I love God so much that I don't act out on those things in our culture is completely ridiculous and we're buying into it. I mean, we, we, we come to church and we talk about this amazing God and the power of God and the transforming ability of God in our lives. But then we just, we just surrender to what we hear. That, what you're talking about, pastor, is a joke. It's impossible. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to those who are not seeking out the purity, the, the holiness of God. And the reason our culture doesn't accept it it's because we live in a generation that that hears with their eyes and thinks with their feelings. We don't seek out the word of God. Remember what I said earlier. Hagnos first and foremost means the purity of our love for God. Loving the Lord God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And that Foundation allowing you to overcome all these other desires that may be pulling on you, the temptations that may try to pull you away. Even among God's people, Paul's exhortation here is hard to accept. It really is. It's hard to accept. But I want you to think about it, I want you to remember something. We talk about this over and over again. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read it to you, and I want you to listen very carefully. Since then, and if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I really want you to listen. If, you're, if you say, well, I'm just here kind of checking this out, totally fine, keep checking it out, we'll talk more. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to hear again what this says. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, think about such things. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. What does it say? Because you died when you gave your life to Christ. You died to your old desires. You died to your old sin nature. You died to yourself. You died to what you, when you died to those things and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. What did I say? His blood covers you. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Praise God for that. You gave your life to Jesus Christ. And when God sees you, he sees perfection. But now he's saying to you, because you're a follower of Jesus Christ, first John says, whoever claims to live in Jesus Christ must walk as Jesus did. I have standing, I am perfect in standing with God. And now I will strive the rest of my life to try to live that out every single day without making excuses. Here's the thing, just because the culture's changed, just because some churches have changed, just because some Christians have changed, change doesn't mean anything to me because the word of god has not changed jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever and i would rather drown standing against the cultural tide i would rather physically drown standing against the cultural tide than run from it than cower from it I would rather, I would rather physically die than, than, than not stand up to it. I don't worse than anything get swept up in it. Go along with it just to go along to get along. That's not what I've been called to do. What people don't understand is there are, there are things that are worse in this life than losing your popularity. There are things that are worse in this life. Than losing your position. There are things that are worse in this life than not being loved by the world. There are things that are worse in this life than physically dying. And one of the things that is worse, okay, is not knowing who you are or or whom you belong to. The one thing I said to you before is I'm not confused about who I am and I'm not confused about who I belong to. I'm not confused about my purpose in life and my ultimate goal in life. I'm not confused about any of those things. My friends, there are things that are worse in life than dying. And it's not knowing who you are, who you belong to, and what your purpose is in this life. In Matthew 16, 25, it reminds us, for whoever wants to save his life, will lose it. Whatever loses their life from me we'll find it. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, it says this. Listen to these words. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. Clearly, love the world, not loving God. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Bow your heads with me. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, this is hard teaching. You're calling us to live a life of purity. And God, each one of us at different times in our life, through our thoughts or through our actions, fall short in this area. But that shouldn't stop us from striving to be like your son, Jesus Christ. Your word says that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, Lord God, we don't have to feel condemned. We don't have to feel shame. We don't have to feel guilt. We just need to ask for forgiveness. But Lord God, may we not pretend that what we're doing isn't a sin. May our desires be for purity and holiness, not for compromise. I pray with all of my heart that you would give each one of us, all of us, Lord God, that are hearing my voice right now, the strength to become the men and women you've called us to be. God, if we've fallen short, may we ask for forgiveness and then move on and become that man or that woman. If we're struggling right now, Lord, if we're, if we're about to make maybe a decision that we shouldn't be making, if we're engaging in behavior that we shouldn't be engaging, I pray that you would help us to draw back from that and start walking a path of righteousness and holiness and purity. That we would encourage one another, support one another, strengthen one another, love one another through this Lord God. May you be glorified through our lives. And it may, may it be our desire to worship you in holiness and truth. May it be our desire, Lord God. May it be our desire to seek out purity in our lives so that we can be more like your son, Jesus Christ, who sacrificed everything to give us the freedom that we have in you to enter into the holy of holies and be accepted into your family. God, we give you the praise and the glory for everything you're going to do in and through us. We give you the praise in advance for the strength you're going to give us to overcome. Because we trust you. We have faith in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great, great day and I'll see you next week.